Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 100 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you for the first time in association with the Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports and podcast network. And we're delighted to have got that, that deal over the line just after transfer deadline day. Uh, this week, so it's it, it's a great great uh, for ourselves to be involved on their sports podcast network. So make sure you you give them a follow on Twitter, and and you'll also find our page within within embedded within their uh, their website as well. Um, and like I just said, episode one hundred. Uh, it's been a it's been an unbelievable hundred episodes now. Um, for ourselves since we we kicked things off back in in February two thousand and nineteen. We've, we've come a long way and we're absolutely delighted and thankful that we've got so many people who, who tune in every single week and interact with ourselves on on social media because without that that kind of support it, it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, be as successful as the as the podcast actually is and we wouldn't have been as able to have helped as many people as we have over the the last uh, couple of years or or two and a half years or so also we are really grateful for that um, but without, without further ado, let's let's kick things off. Obviously, international break is is ongoing. Uh, no no game for the Blues this weekend to to look back on. Uh, but something we need to really talk about is the the end of the transfer window, which was um, from Everton's point of view a pretty a pretty quiet ending. After it promised a, a fair bit when we spoke last week, there was there was talk of of Luis Diaz, you know, potentially close to to signing for. The Blues and you know, someone in in at right back, uh, Andy mate and Niles was the one who was who was targeted from from Arsenal. That didn't happen, despite the the defender himself trying to push through push through a deal. Um, so we ended the window with with the sole signing on deadline day of of Salomon London, and it's uh, left us in a little bit of a pickle, we should say. But let's let's pick up on on the business that was done, Pete, and like I say, just the one. The one person in on on deadline day to to add to the four signings we'd already brought in in Andros Townsend, Damari Gray, and a couple of goalkeepers in in Begovic and, and Lonergan. What what are your thoughts on the on the Rondon signing? Do you, do you think that's going to be a deal which will be really beneficial to us go, going forward for this season? I'm I mean going off the the fan reaction on you know Twitter and social media, it feels like a lot of Evertonians are slightly underwhelmed by the Rondon signing, which you, you can kind of understand in some ways. But, you know, look, it, he's a handful. 
he's experienced, he's a target man, he can hold it up. And his goal scoring record isn't, you know, isn't really to be sniffed at. You know, fair enough, he's not played at what you'd say at top, top clubs, but he's scored goals everywhere he's been. He's a team player, he likes to tackle, he likes to work hard. And you think all of those sort of ingredients suggest that hopefully when he does come on in an Everton shirt, um, you know, he'll have something to to offer for us. So, I mean, I think for me, back up to Calvert-Lewin, you know, someone that can play that sort of central role, because we know Richarlison can play there, but he can't do a lot of what Calvert-Lewin can do in terms of, um, you know, holding the ball up and, you know, uh, being difficult in that, that sort of way. But yeah, it's a strange one. I, I think we all knew we weren't going to do a lot of business this window, but I don't think anybody would have thought we'd, we would do so little. Um, and as you say, it looks like the club have you know, tried to, to work on certain key areas, but um, it does feel like a bit of a risk. I'm sure we'll come on to looking at the rest of the season ahead. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, I think I, sorry, Mike, I, I think everything hinged on that Moyes Keane deal, didn't it? I think we, you know, we were trying to get that through early in the window to sort of give us more opportunity to sort of sign a few players without having to rush it through. But uh, we were all hoping, obviously, he was going to go to PSG. That didn't materialise. I don't think they were ever in for him, um, really, in all honesty, despite all the messy thing going on. And obviously Mbappe as well, towards the latter end of the window. Um, but yeah, I mean, the positives are, I mean, Mike, you, you, you asked us, you know, did we... Um, come out the window stronger than we went in, you'd probably arguably say yes. I'm hoping, obviously, we'll keep Hamez. He's been linked today, hasn't he, with Turkey to Besiktas, isn't it? Um, Besiktas, it's, it's another. Oh, is it not? The Turkish side, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I thought it was Besiktas. Sorry, yeah, but he's been linked with there, so you'd like to think um, that would be pure stupidity from my standpoint if we sell him or get put him on loan to there and pretty much cover a chunk of his wages as well. I know Rafa notoriously doesn't get on well with him by all accounts, but you know, we, you know, why would you get rid of him? Um, you know, with a low, you know, it's not as if we can now invest that money. Okay, we could potentially could in in January, but I mean, it'd be foolish for me. You know, we're taking that creativity and and, and sort of goals out the side, but. Yeah, going back to Moyes Keane, as I was saying, that that to me was the crucial one. And obviously that went through right the last minute to Juve. I think Brands has struck a good deal there. You know, you can say we've taken a chance on him. It's not worked for the kid. Um, I don't think his attitude is the best. I think we'd all collectively agree with that. And, you know, he's now going to go back with the loan fees. And obviously eventually, the, you know, the option to buy after two years then will we'll actually make a small profit. So it's probably not a bad deal that. But the sad thing is that hin- you know, hindered us in the fact that we had, what, 24 hours then or, you know, to try and get a few deals over the line. Um, Rondon's not a bad signing for me. Pete just alluded to it there. I think he can fill Calvert-Lewin's shoes if he's not playing. He's obviously playing with a, with a knock at the minute, isn't he? So I think it's not a bad replacement there. Um, you know, he's, he, he holds the ball up well. He's reasonably quick. Um, and his, his goal scoring record is roughly one in three, one in four, so it's not too bad. And that's not been in the greatest sides in the league either, so that's not a bad signing. But I, I, missing out on another key, key position for me, Mike, I don't know what you think, but right back really was the, the real damning one. And I was reading The Athletic the other day, I think it was Greg that wrote it. Um, by all accounts, the deal was 
pretty much lined up for Dumfries with Brands, but reading between the lines, it looked like Rafa didn't fancy him based on his defense, defensive capability. So, you know, they've obviously gambled there then thinking they'd find somebody else. And now we're going into the season with Seamus Coleman and John Joe Kenny. Um, love Seamus to bits, but we all know he's not going to be able to play a full season, is he? Well, the left-back situation's not much brighter, is it? I think it surprised many when we saw Nkuku go out on on loan, and you presume that's for the, the same reason, um, that he doesn't fancy him for his sort of defensive cover, but it leaves us majorly short. You can only, you can only assume, a, a what, with the greatest hope, that he would maybe play Godfrey there, like Godfrey did a couple of times last season, because the only other alternative, of course, is Fabian Delph. Um, which I don't think any of us yeah. would like to see. <laughs> yeah, we don't want we don't want him there. I can understand. I think for the, reading reading the reports, it seems to be that they wanted to give this lad game time, or he wanted game time. And I can understand that he's hitting twenty. You know, he's not going to get in the team ahead of Luca unless he's rested. So I can understand that or injured. I can understand that if he goes there and he plays first team football for them um, and gets a full season under his belt, he's going to come back a much better player. So. Um, yeah, so I can kind of semi understand that one, but in a roundabout way, like you said, because we have got sort of you know coverage there if we need to. But the key is Seamus, isn't it? You know, he's he, what is he 33 now? 33, and you know, he's had a picked up a few injuries last season. We haven't got you know, I don't think John Joe's up to it at all. You know, he's had a couple of chances, he's gone to Celtic, didn't you know. Fill himself with glory up there. So, um, you know, we sh- another player we've struggled to shift on. So, I think in, in those areas now, we are quite short, aren't we? Yeah, I think a full, full back is, is a big issue. We, we, we spoke on, on Toffee TV the on, on deadline day. Um, and we, we recorded, you know, it was early afternoon, wasn't it? And at that particular point, there was there was hope that we were, you know, we, we were still, still talk over, over Diaz from Porto. There's a lot, a lot of noise around Maitland Niles at Arsenal, and you thought at that point, I, was, I said, you know, two or three hopefully will come in, including Rondon, which we got over the line. But I think, you know, if we if we fail to get right back cover in this window, you know, I think questions need to be answered. They really do. I think we we've been sort of three or four years now knowing that we're going to have to get a, a new right back in, like like you were saying late the other day about. Luca Dean coming in to replace Leighton Baines and, and he got on the side after a couple of games and was never out of it. And that's what that's what has to happen with, with Seamus Coleman as well as, as he gets older. You know, he's playing he's playing games for Ireland again in this in this international window. And you know, for someone who's constantly playing over 30 games a season, not great for ourselves. Um, but to come out of the window without a, a right back, whether it be Maitland Niles on loan, whether it be uh Dumfries on, on a permanent deal, whoever it might be. I think it's a little bit unforgivable, to be fair. I think going going into the the remainder of the season, which is only only a few games old, with you know Ben Godfrey, they've already said I think that Godfrey will be what the one who looks at the cover of fullback or Mason Holgate, um, you know, and, and left back, you know, that's that's just as bad. But if we stick to the right, but we're now going to be asking centre half yet again to play out of position, and that that for me isn't good enough, and. Oh, people are saying. I mean, Eddie's come out uh, from Arsenal about some of their transfer policy in their window, and Newcastle have issued a statement about about theirs and whether or not it's time for Marcel Brand to come out and say, "Listen, this is what's gone on." I don't know. 
I said it the other day, you know, everyone now wants to know the inside of, of, a, of a duck's backside when it comes to the, the workings of football, you know, because of social media, because of the way fans are, because of the information we've all got access to. We want to know it all. Now, whether we've got the right to, I don't know, but once one or two clubs start doing it, you know, normally you see a, a domino effect and, and other clubs follow suit. But I think, I think, yeah, you know, if we would have come out of last Tuesday with a right back as well, as Rondon, I think it would have been, you know, a six and a half, seven out of ten window for me. Without that, having that kind of cover and, you know, going in there now with John Joe Kenny, who by the sounds of it won't even come in for Seamus Coleman if he's injured. I think that's poor. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on the full-back situation, Pete? You know, like you said, I know you mentioned the, the left-hand side. Do you think it is unforgivable to now have to go through, OK, maybe, maybe till January or maybe to the end of the season, but technically Seamus Coleman as, as, as our only right back because Kenny, for me, does not, does not fit the bill. I think it's a massive gamble. Uh, and I think it's a gamble that isn't quite stacked in our favour because... You look at Coleman's age and also, you know, his injury record. He's had some really serious injuries in his career. It's probably a matter of time before he gets injured and it's just going to be a case of how bad and how long is he out for. I think the, the worry for me with, you know, Godfrey is, is, you know, as well as he plays and as, as good as he can carry the ball, he's not got the attacking threat that, you know, Dean or Coleman would have. And I think you look at some of the games so far, we were, we've been singing Coleman's praises. The past two games, you know, he was so important to that win at Brighton. And I think that's what you lose. You know, what you might gain in defensive solidity from having someone like, you know, Godfrey or Holgate covering that position. You're going to lose something, you know, in terms of attacking threat and team momentum, team shape. We'll have to commit to play in a certain way. And I think that's my concern, really. You know, yeah, we might we might be able to cover them, but I think it could come at a major cost. And... You know, these are the fine lines in a season. You know, we, we've said it so many times, especially for a club like Everton. Sometimes the difference between 10th and, you know, pushing for fourth is a bit of luck with injuries, uh, you know, good run of games. And it can be as simple as that sometimes. So I think that's probably why so much scrutiny is put on the transfer window for for a club like us. And, you know, it can make or break a season. And it, it's difficult for me to look at a club like West Ham you know, who have perpetually got it wrong every single year. And it looks like, you know, with the recruitment of David Moyes and actually sticking with him, they're starting to get a lot of things right. And I would just hate for them to leapfrog us because <laughs> they've got no right to. I would hate it. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I hope we get the look that we need. But it's it's a massive, it feels like a massive lottery, doesn't it? Yeah, we saw what happened in the last, last season when we got, injuries to, to key players at similar times and, and how much that impacted performances and their momentum and, and ultimately you know probably cost us a place a place in Europe amongst other 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 reasons. Um but uh, you know by all accounts what, what we what we were doing on transfer deadline day was that the most keen deal which you said Lee all in all I thought I thought it was a good deal after what was being reported saying it was going to be 17 million pounds and obviously a bit of a loan fee. It is more than that. You know, we've been talking seven million euros over two years for the loan, and then got going up to um, is it twenty-seven million euros plus the seven? So all in all, it's worth it's worth more than we paid for them. So not not to be sniffed at, um, but that deal apparently went through too late for us to really 
pursue the, the Luis Diaz deal and if we couldn't get him, get another winger in. And we are now in the situation where we, we've got the five players that we that we've got in. Um and we've got to go now to, to January with with those players. But I think, you know, we are not well, I'm certainly not overly negative about the whole window. I think that we we've addressed some key areas, we've addressed balance, which is is a really important one. We we've kept hold of Richarlison, which was I think I think we all probably thought potentially this this summer we might see see Richarlison go to to then enable us to go out and spend money in the window. But we all we also knew where we were, didn't we, in terms of finances and in terms of us only being able to spend a small amount. And I mean, you got you got the, the facts and figures there. You, you know, you, you mentioned them before we we started recording today. We've spent one point seven million pounds this window, and we've recouped nine hundred thousand pounds, which is you know tells you all that you need to know. But is is the issue with us more the more the fact that we we haven't got a model where we've got players on the periphery who basically can, can go for say five, six, seven million pounds a time, which then enables us to, to spend further in, in the window. Is is that the issue here? Do you think, or is it is it something else? Yeah, I think you can you can, you can lay the blame there uh, for at least some of it because you know Brands has never been given the full you know the keys to the car, has he? By the looks of it, from the outside looking in, I think Mashiri has always wanted to dabble and get involved and, 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 you know, in some ways rightly so as the owner, but that has hindered us as a club as well, I think. You know, if you look at some of the signings we've made, particularly under Cumin, you know, the stats were released the other day and, you know, Cumin and Walsh, I mean, they've set us back quite a while, haven't they, with some of the signings they've made. You know, obviously players in the same position, you know, signing players, that, you know, the wrong side of 30, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, We've not been able to recoup a lot of money at all. We've struggled to get those players out the door. I think Brands has done a remarkable job to get some of them out the door anyway, even in the last windows. Uh, and now we're down to sort of, you know, the last dregs, if you want to call in them, who we've still got contracts with. Um, so we are hindered by that. Um, you know, the Premier League, again, has spent over, as, as, a, as a collective, over a billion again, which is nuts compared to the other leagues. Um, our net spend is 10 times more than that. Our net spend, but the Premier League's net spend is ten times more than that of Serie A um, and La Liga. Um, and as I was saying to you before, you know the Bundesliga even made a profit net spend, which is absolutely insane to think about it. So you know all the all the all the sort of the indicators were coming out of you know the pandemic or even still in a pandemic really as such. It was that it wasn't going to be a big spending window, but then you know the majority of the so-called Big six, if you want to call them that. Um, you know, they were the ones that were throwing money around like like no tomorrow, weren't they? Uh, Chelsea broke their transfer target. City broke theirs. And he broke it again for Kane. Um, you know, United spent a fortune. They were wielding their power a little bit. Um, did they really need Cristiano Ronaldo? Not really. They've just done that to purely to try and stop City, I think, from signing him. Um, so... Yeah, it, it just seems to be the money thrown around by those guys just seems to be in a different stratosphere compared to everybody else, doesn't it? And I don't want to sound obviously like, you know, being sort of pessimistic in, about it, but it, it is what it is. Um, you know, their spending power, qualifying for the Champions League pretty much year on year, you know, normally getting through to the latter stages, which then means more money into the coffers, which then means more sponsorship, which then means more money again, just increases revenue. And under the current model, that you know basically hinders us and, and not them. Um, as I said when we spoke on Toffee TV, you know, 
we've got a billionaire owner with a wealthy multi-billionaire sitting behind him and we can't inject any cash into the business it's ridiculous it's absolutely you know it's the only industry in the world where you can't actually the owners can't physically put cash in unless they guise it up like i said in terms of a sponsorship deal and city have tried to do that as we know and then they're getting pulled up on it but it's going to court and you know, will it? Will anything happen from that? Well, probably not, because the r- rules, by all account, are about to change again, aren't they? In the next next few months, so um, it just frustrates you as a fan, you know, because um, you know we we do want to sort of push and try and win trophies. I want to see us win the league, you know, as, as as maybe hedonistic as that sounds. I do. That's what we enter it for. That's what we're in it for. We want to win the league, you know. But under this current format, you know, are we ever going to do that? You know, I don't, don't know is the answer to that question. So it does frustrate me you know, when we see that we spent 1.7 million and sold 0.9. You know, what I mean, it's 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 bonkers when you see that. Um, I mean, Arsenal was spending 25 million pound on reserve keepers for God's sake. You know what I mean, um, I can no, and you can. Look, I understand people's points. I really do about you know Everton have now the, the chickens have come home to roost. They've wasted money. And it's now finally catching up with them. But loads of other clubs have thrown money around as well on 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 rubbish. You know, United. You see that stat. I don't know whether you guys saw it. Selling Dan James is their only sale in the window. He was their fourth most expensive player they've sold Man United in their history for 25 million. Well, that tells you how much dross they've signed over the years, and doesn't it? You know, not being able to shift them either. You know, they've lost a load of money, didn't they, on Sanchez? The wages they were paying him. Uh, and they've lost a load of money on several players we can sit here and name as well. Arsenal have spent fortunes on players. I think I said you know, the other day, you know, 75 million on Pepe. You know I mean, you could hardly say that's been a success, can you? Um, so other clubs have made mistakes as well. But the problem is under these current rules, because their revenue is so high, they can afford to make mistakes and still go out and spend money. So in answer to your question, Mike, for me, there's got to be now a plan going forward and, 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 and signing players, you know, in the right age bracket, in the right position. So then if we don't, if they do become successful, fantastic. We can potentially shift them at a nice profit. But if they don't, we can still recoup and break even on them. And that's where, you know, you have to hold your hands up and say the likes of Leicester and, and, and people like that have done well. And as Pete just alluded to, West Ham have finally got their backsides in gear and they seem to be now with Moyes involved, you know, seem to be signing shrewdly, don't they? Um, so... Yeah, something has to be done there. And, and Brands, you know, whether you like him or loathe him, he must be tearing his hair out at some of this because, you know, it's 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 a big problem. You know, we need to be signing players like your Godfrey's and people like that in in that category. Um, and losing Thierry Small even annoys me. Look, okay, look, sometimes that happens in footy. Then fair enough. But you know, if there really was a place to come and play for Everton and youngsters were getting the chances, he wouldn't have gone, would he? So. Um, let, let, let's see, but I, maybe this is the start of a new era under Benitez and, 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 and Brands. Maybe that will happen, but let's wait and see. Um, only time will tell, won't it? The funny thing with, with Thierry Small is that with the, the outgoing loan of, of Niels and Konku, it would have meant that Thierry Small probably would have got some first-team action, at least on the bench most weeks uh, for covering, obviously covering Luca Dean. And if Luca Dean gets injured, he's, he's then potentially could have been thrust into the first team and, and starting starting games, but you know we we'll keep an eye on on his progression at Southampton. Uh, but it, it is going to go to a tribunal. I've been looking to, to recoup close to five million pound for him. Um, you know, if we get anywhere between four or five million plus the money we've got, 
from the Vlasic sale to West Ham as well. Uh, we've got a percentage of that, which again is around four million, four to five million quid. You know, I think January <clears throat> could be a time, you know, because we we haven't spent anything of the, the most keen money either on saving from his wage and the loan fee. Um, so we might have a little dabble in January, but as we know, Marcel Brands doesn't like it and you quite often get fleeced. So whether we, we you know, it'll be a case of let's see where we are injury-wise, suspension-wise when it gets to, to the January transfer window, I don't know, but, you know, we, we, we could we could obviously uh, dip our toes in the water there. But one thing that might also uh, impact on that uh, is you, Lee, you mentioned it at the start of the show is is James Rodriguez now as things stand as we record there was a, a rumour came out last night wasn't it um, in regards to a Turkish side being in for, for James Rodriguez now do forgive my my pronunciation here uh, but Basak Shahir are the ones who are apparently in for James Rodriguez on loan um, now I want to, want to get your thoughts on that, really, because with with Hammers, obviously at the moment he's he's not in in the manager's thoughts. Um, he wasn't too keen on being in the squad against Brighton, by all accounts. And now, obviously, the window potentially is closed for him. Do you think his head will be turned, you know, for him to want to go and play in Turkey first of all, but second of all, Pete? What are your thoughts? It, is it really worthwhile us sending Hammers Rodriguez on loan if that chance has presented itself? Or is it more beneficial to keep him at the club? Because I can't imagine that a Turkish, this Turkish side can pay a great deal of his wages and we're not going to save a great deal by doing so. Is it really worthwhile us doing that? Or should we really be saying, right, you're integrating back into the squad and let's let's utilise him as, as best we can? Well, look, number one... By all accounts, he didn't want to go to Porto, and that was a you know a major stumbling block to the the Diaz deal. So if he doesn't want to go and play in Porto, where he's got he's actually got a connection to that club, why will he want to go to Turkey? I just, I just cannot see this one happening. I, I would be shocked, genuinely shocked, if it happens. Number two, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think it would be balmy when you look at what we stand to gain. We lose a player of his quality. And, you know, don't even get the full whack financially, you know, in terms of his wages. So it, it would seem strange. However, you, you know, I, I can really see the argument, you know, would Hammers Rodriguez win your games? You know, yes. Could he do something important off the bench even if he's not starting? Yes, of course he could. He would be a real asset. But are we going to get the same Hammers Rodriguez that we got under Carlo Ancelotti? That's the problem for me. You know, he won't want to be on the bench for a club like Everton. He'll be expecting to start. And, you know, it's, it's widely publicised. Him, him and Benitez have got a historically difficult relationship. I mean, if that continues, you know, are we going to get the same version of that player? Yes, he's got, you know, unbelievable potential. He's had an amazing career and we've seen flashes of, of what he can do. But is that who we're going to get if we keep him? Um so I think it's a bit of a problem, really. And also, then, do you want an unsettled player around the squad? I think that's another issue. You know, we've been talking a lot about team spirit recently, haven't we? And team performances and how you can really see a bit of an identity starting to get translated onto the pitch. 
you know, would it be a massive problem to have an unsettled player that expects to start and play in a certain way on the fringes of that team? So I, I actually think it's far more complex than, you know, I think a lot of people are, are sort of making out. I, I do think it's a bit of a conundrum and it could potentially backfire if we keep him and we're not able to utilise him. I think if we keep him, it's almost he's, he's probably got to be in the first 11 and I just can't see that happening either. So we've ended up in a really weird position over this, haven't we? I think he's got he's he's got he's got to stay for me. He's got he's got to stay because you know I think Benitez has got to put that personal relationship to one side if it's to be, be believed what we think it is. Um, and there'll be certain games where we will need Hamas Rodriguez. You know we've played most of the games this season where we've conceded possession and we and, and played teams on the counter and we've looked good in, in patches doing so. But there'll be other games like we've got for example Burnley coming up. Can't imagine we're going to let Burnley have sixty seven percent possession, are we? You know what I mean, so it's it's we're going to need in games like that, we're going to need a fit Hamas Rodriguez. But um, can yeah. you see Rafa accommodating him into a system, or you know, can you see Hammers being satisfied with being on the bench? Uh, well, yeah, good good point, mate. Good point. I I think he has to accommodate him for me in certain games. Certain games we'll need to use him. There'll be certain games where. Obviously, like I said before, where we'll let teams have the ball and we need to then break and break with pace and purpose. And that's what we've done so far. You know, Damari Gray has shown it already, you know, and, and, and Townsend to some extent as well. And, and that's the way we'll set up. If there's games, like, for example, I said before, like Burnley at home coming up, you know, you'd like to think we're probably going to have most of the ball. That's where you need someone like him. Someone like him there who can just basically, you know, potentially play behind Calvert-Lewin. And and just and and either slide him in or slide. He'll he'll have runners then, won't he? But you know we've been saying this all last season. He's at his best when he's got people running ahead of him. Now you'll have Damari Gray running down one side. You'll have potentially Townsend or Richarlison on the other, and then you'll have obviously Dom through the middle. He's going to pick you out. He's going to pick you out. He's shown it, like you said, Pete. He's shown it in flashes last season. I mean, you know, for me, I've said it a million times. He effectively won as that derby with that one one bit of genius in that game because you know we scored after two minutes and then the rest is history. But but then are a lot of fans playing fantasy football when they talk like this because Rafa's not setting us up in that way. No, he's not. But he, he's also he's also said he's flexible, isn't he? He's not. Rafa's already said he's flexible tactically. He's not saying this is we're not just going to play four four two and that's it. You know, he's he's already said that we can and we have shown it already in patches anyway. But I think you know for, for me when you've got a player of that quality, I know he's not the same player he was you know four or five years ago, but we all know you know. If he's fit, he's one of the best players, if not the best player technically in our team. He's, well, he's comfortably, I think, technically the best player in our team. But, you know, he, he gets in, for me, into most Premier League teams when he's fit. But you, you know what I think this is a lot like? I, 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 people might bite me head off for saying this, but I'm going to say anyway. I, I think it's a lot like the end of Mesut Ozil's career, where toward the end of his career, he had some unbelievable games for Arsenal. But then, you know, football changed. And there was no place for him anymore. And he, he got pushed out. His head went. He got a bit sulky. He did some daft things. He didn't play for the team. Now, I'm not accusing Hammers of that, but I think he's a similar player in a similar position that he's no longer got a manager that will pander to him. And I think he's a bit lost. And I really feel for him in a way. I would love to see him play a, you know, another match for, for Everton. I would love to see him in a number 10 role, but... I just can't see Rafa going for it. 
Well, the number 10s are dying. Uh, you know, Mike and I talked about this the other day. The number, the number 10 is a dying, a dying breed, unfortunately, in football now, sadly for me, because I, I, that's, you know, that's why I've always loved since I was a kid, you know, was watching those types of players, you know, your Bergkamp, your Francesco Totti, your, you know, your Raquel Mays, people like that. And, you know, there's less and less of them in the game now, sadly. Um, but at the same time, let's be honest, a lot of the time you go to football to see moments of genius from players like that, don't you? You know what I mean? You, you, football now seems to be a lot about running and stats and things like that. Everything's, you know, you've got to have 11 men who can run, you know, 10, 11K every game. You know, and Hammers certainly doesn't fall into that category. But for me, you know, as I said, there'll be certain games where we can utilise him. And when you've got a player of that quality, you know, he's got to play in certain games. You know, we've, we've said between us, you know, look at our bench in the last few games. How many times have you looked at our bench and gone, oh my God, there's nothing on there that's going to really change this game. You know, and, and to be fair, I think whether he likes it or not, there'll be certain games he'll be on the bench. He might have to come on for 30 minutes and change something. And if he does that and he comes on, he creates a goal or scores a goal and wins us the game, he might then start another game the following week, you know, and, and Rafa, you know, he's an experienced coach and, you know, he's, he's won some of the fans over with how we've started so far. Um, and for me, I think, I think, I, you know, I don't think he's stupid enough to say, right, that's it, I'm ostracising you out of the team completely and the squad. You can train on your own. I don't care what you're being paid. I think that'd be absolutely foolish to leave a player of that quality. Um, it's not like with Chelsea where we've got, you know, two absolute class players for every position, is it? Yeah, I think, I mean, my thoughts on Hammers, I, I think he, as long as you go to Turkey, you know, no doubt in a couple of days after we, we record this, we, I'll be proven wrong, but I don't, I don't think he'd be, he'd be going to Turkey. Um, but I think we've got to, it's difficult because Benitez certainly will not pander soon, like like you said, because he's not just going to go off. I've got Hammers on Vegas. He was worth this much in his pomp. He's on 190 odd grand a week. I'm gonna I'm gonna sandwich him somewhere into my side. It's not how it works. I think he can do his job playing the the current Richardson role. If Richardson got pushed out wide, and obviously you've but we're putting a lot a lot on on Gray and Towns. And at the moment, but if you said to Richardson, you go out wide, you know, play one of either Gray or Towns, and if we're gonna do a bit of rotation and throw Hammers in behind Dom and just say, listen, you got no defensive responsibility, just come and you know come and do what you can do. And in certain games, that will potentially be allowed. But I just think that under Benitez, no one is allowed to slack off from from Calvert Lewin working his backside off up front, going right back to to Jordan Pickford. No player, I don't think he, I don't think he accepts any player just strolling out of the pitch in any way, shape, or form. And I think that's what the concern is. And with with Hammers, I think from from the other players' point of view, there's probably only so long that your ability wins you any favours. With the other players, there will become a, come a point where they might, you know, if he is soaking or if he's not pulling his weight on the training ground and he's just strolling around, players will get pissed off basically. Whether whether he's Hamas Rodriguez or anyone else, Tori Hibbers, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. And that's that's the concern is, like you said, Pete, not not just a simple case of we've got Hamas Rodriguez, he's got to play because he's, you know, he's he's world class. It's what does him not playing and him being classed as a squad player, what does that impact in terms of his, his attitude? And in turn, how does his attitude and his feelings then um, burden the, the, the players, the rest of the players in the squad? That's the problem because you want to keep this squad 
you know, with, with a good attitude, want to be motivated. They know they've got to work the backsides off. And it only takes one bottle to, to upset the apple cart, so to speak. And that's, and I don't want to say that, he, that he's like that, but we, I think we know what he can be like is, is, is the issue that, that I've got. So it's, a, it's such a difficult situation. And if, you know, it turns out when all other windows around Europe and the world do shut, if he is still with us, then yes, I'd like to see him reintegrated, but he's got to have the right attitude to be reintegrated. Otherwise, it backfires and it impacts on the rest of the squad, in my opinion. Yeah, but the thing is, if, if he, I don't mind it. If I'm playing in the team and I have to do his running for him, but he's contributing to goals and assists, I don't, yeah, players don't mind that. Yeah, you know I mean, like that, that's the key, you know, play at the end of the day. <laughs> why are you laughing? You say that. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I, I've got to I've got to call you out on that. How can you say that? Players don't mind that. They don't mind that. They don't mind that at all, Pete. It's like when I play with you, you did all my running, mate. You did all my running for me. Well, I, I'm t- I'm telling you now, right? No, number one, wh- whether you think other players mind or not, you need to ask the other players. And number <laughs> because some players will mind and do mind, and that's it's, it's, it's like it's like who was it who said it? Was it was it was it Saki or or? I can't remember one of the one of the famous Italian managers said in football, you have you know uh, water carriers and then you have musicians and it's the water carriers who give the ball to musicians who play the game or, or words to that effect and that and that, that and that that is football isn't it in a lot of ways it is you know what I mean because there are players out there with moments of genius inside them and as I said they're the players that we all love to see to, to, to play because it's not it's not the Casuso running around and then trying to okay certain times we see like the people go through people but you know what I mean. Well, that, was, that was football then, wasn't it? Yeah, in a way. Maybe I'm a bit of a romanticist with things like that. But I just think, as, as I said, you know, we'd be foolish to get rid of him. And, you know, there's certain games where we will need him. And at the end of the day, sending him out on loan and still paying a chunk of his, his wages is just absolute suicide for me. Why would you do that? Because at the end, his contract finishes. We've paid a chunk of his salary. He goes to, say, Turkey. And then what, what we had, a season, a season of him, you know, with no fans, you know, I think if Hammers, let's say he does play against Burnley in that home game, or something like that, let's be honest, the majority of people in that stadium are going to want to see this guy play, aren't they? You know, we all are, you know, we all, we'd be like little kids, you know, Christmas trying to, you know, watching a, a superstar of world football, um, you know, potentially strut his stuff. And he's the type of guy, as we've said, you know, he's the sort of guy that would turn it on in games like that with a crowd. He's sadly not played in front of a full Goodison, has he? So he's a certain, he's the sort of guy that'd be like, right, I'm going to show everyone here how good I am. Um, so look, maybe he won't start in those sort of games initially. Certainly, he's not fully fit, but he's the sort of guy that maybe come on and will come on and influence the game. But um, I don't know what you think, Mike. But it'd be absolute suicide, wouldn't it? Send him out on loan now with a year left on his contract. I don't think it makes much sense. It's from you know, if he's going on loan to say a Porto or. Athletic Homewood here, and they're picking up a massive, massive chunk of his wage. And, I, and I'm talking, you know, 75, 80% of his wage. Then it makes sense because you can get him probably two more players on the wages that, you know, that you're saving uh, that other clubs are paying. But yeah, it, I, I just don't think that the Turkish side can can really pay a massive chunk of his wage. So it, it just it just becomes a bit pointless to me. Um, so the only issue is then you're going to pay nearly 200 grand a week for someone um, who might be sitting. You know, and sailing away from the first team, which has happened already, um, whose mind might not be totally on playing football for Everton. So you've, you've got to weigh it up in terms of, you know, if he does stay, are we going to get any kind of benefit at all from him staying with the manager 
with obviously the game time he's going to have, you've got to take it all into account. And I just can't say for definite whether he'd get any kind of game time on, under the manager because of the system that he employs and whether he, he, he thinks that if he, you know, if he sees him right, you've got to play in the Richardson role. Can he really duplicate the work of Richardson? You know, probably not. Uh, well, definitely not really. But you know, we, we'll see how, how how this goes. As I say, the the, the other windows have not got long to run. I fully expect him to still be here, and you know, we, we'll see how that goes. He's currently on holiday, which is by the way not not in the pot because players have been given time off during the international break. He's gone to Ibiza and he lands in Disneyland Paris, and you know, players are allowed that time off. Of course, they are. So hopefully, if if the decision is made that he stays with the side, he comes back. He's he's recharged. He's He's had a little break away and he and he feels good to go. And and we do see him we do see him play play for the blues. Um but let's let let's see. Let's see. Hopefully, hopefully it's it, it can rectify itself and, and it's to the benefit of, of us and and no one else. Um, well on, on the on the Diaz one, I wanted to make a quick point on that. Obviously, it seems to have been the fact that stumbling what was Hammers potentially going there, you know, to offset some of the cost. Um, we did try and agree a deal by all accounts individually without Hammers, but they were just asking for stupid numbers, apparently, weren't they? So they were trying to block the move. By all accounts, the player wanted to come. So maybe that's one player we might want to go back in, you know, like you said, Mike, now with the Moyes Keane uh, uh, money that we've we've made um, and also obviously the money from Vlasic and so on. Maybe maybe it's a, a revisit in January for someone like a Diaz because, you know, looking at the guy looking at you know, little clips, speaking to people who've seen him play a bit more than us, he, you know, and looking at his goal-scoring record, I think he scores like 25 goals in 94 games or something like that. So, you know, that would be ideal sort of signing. Again, as I was alluding to before, right age category, you know what I mean? He's, he's coming now into his prime years. You know, if we could get someone like that over the line, those are the types of players we want to be getting there. A goal-scoring wide player who's at a good age, you know, who potentially could go on and, you know, be like what Rafinha's done at Leeds or something like that, isn't it? Or, you know, players of that sort of ilk. So, um, if, if we're going to be smart now in the windows, those are the sort of players we need to be looking out for, isn't it? And in those sort of age groups, like I said, you know, we need to start sort of stop signing players at the latter end of their careers, really, in some way. Okay, you can get the odd one in, so, in, in some cases, but in most cases, we've got to be signing smart now. Um, but, you know, after making, you know, some quite horrendous losses the last few years. It, it finally, it finally caught up with us, didn't it? It has done, and as I say, we, we went into the window knowing that, and you know, knowing that we'd have to sell it and recoup some kind of funds to to, to make you know any kind of big moves. And as I say, the the main move that was made in Moist Keen just came too late to to really do anything about. Uh, but as I said earlier on, whether we do look at it in January. Uh, will depend on on numerous factors, but we we know we do pay over inflation prices as everyone does at that point. All depends where we are as well, league position, uh, injury, suspension, things like that. But um, we will see. You know, Diaz unfortunately we couldn't get that over the line for a variety of reasons. But potentially a player who, who fits the bill, like you say, I think he was keen to come and, and test himself at the Premier League. Obviously, having Yerry Mina here and you know helped and we've got obviously a good South American contingent which I think really helps other players from that part of the world to, to adjust and, and feel at home um, but we'll see, Let, let's see how, they, how we, we sort of get to end of December, start of January and, and see what position we're in um, but 
we're going to take a short break before we have a look ahead to the Monday night football game against Burnley. Welcome back to the 100th episode of the Unholy TNT podcast, where we're now going to have a quick chat about our next Premier League game um, at home at Goodison Park under under the lights, uh, Monday night football against against Burnley. Obviously, we're we're still in the international break, um, so a little bit of time to go in that. But I think it's important to try and look ahead. We're just over a week to go, and look at our, our next game. And Burnley, yeah, um, obviously three games played, got the first point against against Leeds, suffered a couple of, of defeats in the uh, the first two games. So they haven't set the world alight. Um, but we know what to expect, don't we, Pete, from a, a Sean Dyche Burnley side. We've seen it often enough over the years. We, we've come unstuck a few times along the way. Um, so, you know, it's not going to be a, probably a, the most attractive game of football, I, would, I wouldn't have thought. And, and maybe, you know, the, the intent has got to come from ourselves this time to, to take the game to them and obviously break them down. Yeah, no, it won't be easy at all, um, and and not only because of Burnley. I don't think. I think what what's interesting about the three games we've had so far. I mean, perhaps slightly bar Southampton. I think Southampton is slightly different, um, but both against sort of Leeds and Brighton, we were just keen to let them have a lot of the ball, and maybe some of that's due to playing away from home. Arguably, more of that is down to how those two teams play, and we've looked to exploit and hit them on the counter attack. But that first half against Southampton, I thought we really, really struggled. Um, and it, it seems quite clear, so well, so far, based off the, the three games we've had, that we're shaping up to be quite a counter-attacking side, looking to hit teams on the break. And Burnley are just going to come and sit back and let us have the ball and say, come on then, break us down. We're happy to take the draw and we'll try and nick one off you. And my worry is we might find that quite challenging um i think we could find it quite hard to to break them down so the best thing that i think we could hope for was an early goal i think if we got an early goal it could turn into quite a comfortable night for us but i think burnley's hope will be get to the end of the first half nil nil or if possible nick a goal and if that happens it can turn a bit ugly um so i think it could be a really tricky game actually it's like i was saying to you before pete in it you know that that Burnley's the type of game where that you know they are going to let us have the ball, and arguably, when we struggled against teams last season, particularly obviously at home in the empty stadiums, it was against teams that set off and let us have the ball, and invariably we were too slow. Um, you know, we, we were we were quite sort of side to side and laborious in possession, no real pace. Um, and it's like I was saying before, that's where you need your guile, that's where you need your players who can do something out of nothing. I think Iwobi started the season really well. He's looked really sharp. He got another two goals for Nigeria in the international week um, the other day. So, you know, he's he, he's the type of player that can unlock a door. Um, you know, you saw it with that pass against Leeds with Dom. I mean, that was, that was you know, Hammers-esque, wasn't it? You know what I mean? So, um, we will need to be on the ball with it. Um, if I remember rightly, uh, it was a weird first half when we played the McGuinness last time, wasn't it, when it was empty? Was it when Dwight McNeil put one in the top corner? Yeah. Yeah, um, wasn't there a free goal the first goal as well um, was it Barnes was it Barnes I can't quite remember I just remember it being an absolute shocking goal defensively wasn't it um, and then you know that's what Burnley like you said there Pete that's what they want that's what they'll be praying on won't it? they'll be trying to nick a goal and then just try and be hard to beat 
Um, we've got enough quality in the side there um, to beat them. And the, the good thing is about having fans back, as it showed against Southampton in the second half. Like you were right, Pete, the first half felt a bit of like last season. And the second half, there was a lot more tempo. Rafa's clearly told him, look, go out and raise it. And then the crowd get up for it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got 40,000 people dragging the ball into the net, haven't you? So um, I do think I do think the crowd will make a difference. Um, you know, we've started with some positivity. It's another good fixture for us. Um, I think we've got to, you know, we've got to get that early goal. Get the early goal, force them to come out. And then, you know, hopefully it should be a routine home win after that. They will, they will cause us a few issues. Hopefully, Yeri's fixed. I think Yeri likes coming up against Chris Wood-type players, doesn't he? Um, loves a battle, loves a bit of physical contact. So, I, I can see Yeri starting centre-half if he's fit. Um, and then, I'm hoping Godfrey's going to be back. By all accounts, COVID's hit him quite hard. And, um, and he's, he's, he's lost a bit of weight and stuff, apparently. So, he's, he's struggled with it. So, um Hopefully he'll be back after a two-week break now and 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 ready to play. Um, I, I I think I still think our, our best centre-half partnership is him and Mina. Um, so you've got the pace of Godfrey and you've got Mina. Obviously, you know wins wins a lot of balls in the air and likes the physicality. So um, let's see let's see how it pans out. But I think again on paper we should have more than enough for them, shouldn't we? I think so. I mean, you mentioned there. Obviously, Mina and Godfrey. I think the beauty of this international break is that our South American players haven't haven't gone anywhere, which is is absolutely fantastic for us. And yeah, you mean being one of them. Obviously, he had a bit of an injury and did, didn't play against um, against Brighton. Um, so he's had now time to to recover from his his injury. Ben Godfrey was pictured in York, wasn't he, the night before the uh, the game? Um, so again. You know Ben Godfrey should be back and should be should be fit. He was saying he's, he's back after the international break. Um, like you said, obviously COVID has has, has hit him um, quite quite significantly. So hopefully welcoming them, them two back will be a, a real positive because when you play against a side like like Burnley, um, who obviously have, have Chris Wood up, up front, Ashley Barnes, you know, physical physical players. Chris Wood's always a handful. He's such a big lad. And we saw Yerry Mina against Bamford in the week against Leeds, and he he was up for the battle, and you know in one of his his wind up moods as well, and and that's what what, what you want to see with with Yerry Mina and what he what he actually gives you. But I think I think the game against Burnley, we started the season obviously seven points from from nine from the three games, the Burnley game as we saw last season, and in years gone by, the, these these are the acid tests for me when it comes to the manager. You know our home form last season was so poor. Um, you know, we, we we can put that down to maybe the crowd not being there. But he says, obviously, we, we've had a, a decent start of the season. Um, this is the kind of game that we expect to win. We should win. And for me, we've got to win. And the manager, you know, it's, like I say, been a decent start of the season. He, and it was it's good for him that it has been and great for ourselves. But Pete, there's a lot of emphasis in this game, isn't it? That, that these are your bread and butter home games that you should be picking up three points without any kind of disrespect due to Burnley. Everton of old win these kind of games and these are the games now the manager's got to sort of show, yeah, we're up for the fight. We, you know, we'll, uh, we'll put a shift in and we can and we'll come away with a win. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, especially to have any sort of aspirations, you know, I think if you're looking to finish any higher than eighth, 
you've got to win these these sort of games. There's there's no easy game in the in the Premier League. It's a cliche, but you know we're far better than than Burnley, uh, and I think that's why often why people get so frustrated if we do lose or we do draw because it's usually that we've switched off on a set piece or we've been bullied a little bit at times in the game or uh, like Lee said that we've been maybe just missing a bit of creativity to unlock something. And it almost feels inexcusable sometimes uh, as an Evertonian because, like you say, you know, if you're fit and you're organised and you've got better players, you should be t- turning teams like Burnley over. Um, I do stand by what I say. I think the position in the table's deceptive and I, I do think they'll turn up and just be terrible to play against and make themselves as hard to beat as possible. Um, but yeah, if, if, if we want to be ambitious, if we want to improve on last season... These are the games that you have to win, and the players should have that sort of mentality as well. sense, you know, we, we've got it. We've got to expect to to win the game, and and that mentality, I think, needs to be to you know throughout the squad. As as difficult as these games can be, the players have got it. Got to expect to be able to to win the game. And you know, in the in the, in a situation where a side does sit off, where we we have struggled historically over the last the last few years to to break sides down. We we've got to be able to sort of unpick the lock and and show we've got that in, in our locker in our locker as well. Um, but it's going to be like you said, difficult game, difficult and awkward side to play against. Not started particularly well, but we know what to what to expect. Um, but let's let's get in with our with our predictions if we can. Lee, what are we saying? Um. It's always tricky when you come back after an international break, and we f- we showed that last season, didn't we? After having a great start, um, it all depends on what you know, what what how the players come back. I know, obviously, you said it's a major bonus with the South Americans not going away, but um, I think I think it, like I have to agree with Pete. I think it'll be a horrible game. Um, I'm going to say two one. I'm hoping we can just nick it. Um, but it could be one of those horrible games to watch. I think it's it's, it's a Monday night game, Mike. It's a night game, isn't it? Monday night, yeah. Last game of the uh, the Premier League weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That may help us. You know what Goodison's like when it's when it when it, when it gets going at night. So that may help us. But um, I think yeah, I think we'll I think we'll nick it nick it two one. Pete. Yeah, you think my my, my prediction? I was going to say two one. I think we might struggle on set pieces. Um, I thought when we played. Huddersfield in, in the Carabao, they really exploited us on uh, on corners. And uh, yeah, fancy fancy Burnley to try and do the same. So I'm going to say hard fought 2 1, back for, back from a goal down. Yeah, I, I think I think we'll nick it. I think it'll be a 1 0. Um, tight game. We'll be knocking on the door and potentially find it difficult to break them down. But I think in the end, the, the pressure the pressure will sell. Having the balance we've got now, I think really. Really helps. Uh, I think the midfield. I think Alan and the Corey as a, as a pair uh, seems to have settled a lot more. And whether it's tactically, it's it suited to them better. Uh, I just think we look a little bit a little bit more dynamic, especially when we're breaking with with that, with the Corey coming coming in late, and obviously the two wingers and Richardson and and, and Calvert Lewin. So I think we'll make it one nil, uh, which would be which would be great. You know, to to, to get ten points from twelve, but tough game. Um, but great, great to, to, to be under the lights of Goodison for the first time in in a, in a little while. That's for sure. Uh, but that's us. That's us for this week. Um, obviously, Burnley is is next weekend. 
next next Monday. Sorry, so it'll be uh, we'll be back the following the following weekend to have a little look back at that, and also have a look back at the uh, the Villa game, uh, which comes up the the following the following weekend as well. So busy time once the internationals are over, and hopefully the the Blues can uh, keep the the unbeaten run going. So we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.